Hello and welcome to the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. My name's Dan Huff from Twickenham CC. Um, really pleased to be back on the airwaves. It's um, quite frankly dismal outside. It's pouring down with rain. It feels like the type of weather where uh, there'll never be any cricket ever played again. But of course, winter does turn to summer um, and we will be back out on the field all being well in 2021. And it's with that in mind that we're having a podcast now. Um, usually we talk about action on the field, but today it's going to be very much about about the future, really. Um, and to, to help me sort of wade through this, I'm really pleased to welcome back Nick Brown, League Secretary and former Chair of Hampstead. Hi, Nick. Hi, Dan. Hi, Eugene. Thank you very much for having me back. Great to have you, Nick. Great to have you. And also um, a debutante on the podcast. Um, a, a name and a figure well known around the county circuit, um, Kia Hopley, Chair of the Rules Committee and Chair of the Umpires Panel. Kia, great to have you on board. Thank you for inviting me, Dan. Good to be here. Well, it's good to have two such esteemed um, folks to, to talk, talk to us about where we might be going in terms of the County League next year. Before I get there, though, I just wanted to get your takes on 2020, obviously the, the league season, not the cricketing genre, um, and what you made of what we achieved, really. Because personally, I, I felt we achieved quite a lot, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed 2020 when it finally got going. Um, what was your view of it, Nick? A success? Uh, I would say it was a, an unqualified success. The, the feedback we've had from the clubs and players was that they were delighted that we got the league season going. I think that the uh, league executive took the stance that we would be not um, proactive. It's not really a word I like, but we, we sort of waited till we had some certainty because we thought all the way along that if we were given enough notice, we could get the league season going. And, and that's really what we did. And um, we ended up having a you know, terrific season. I think the fears that people had about uncompetitive matches and all the rest of that were largely unfounded. And, and in many respects, clubs found that they had you know, bumper availability, unprecedented levels. Yeah, I think that's true. Certainly from my perspective at Twickenham, we had a lot of juniors playing, more juniors than we normally would do, maybe because they weren't going on holiday, maybe because they'd been um, starved of cricket in uh, in the early part of the season. But in terms of actual numbers, I think a lot of clubs had a, a better experience than they, they thought they might do. Kia, how did it look from your side? Um, su- successful? Yeah, very much so. I think we, uh, I agree with Nick, we were... You know, took some criticism for not deciding to change the format before we had to make any decisions. But I think in the end that waiting until we knew exactly when we could start again before deciding on the format was a good thing. We were one of very few leagues to get any sort of proper cricket season in at all, albeit it was only half and albeit um, some clubs didn't have all their first teamers out but as you said lots of juniors very positive cricket I stood in some superb matches and I think everyone did enjoy it there were very few disciplinary problems this year everyone played it in the right way and everyone managed to cope with the Covid restrictions we got used to what was and what wasn't practical and how to manage that so despite the obvious difficulties and the frustrations of not being able to have a shower or to bring your own tea or whatever, I think it worked pretty well. 
Yeah, I think that seems a, a very fair analysis of it. Um, we didn't have much rain either, Kia, did we? If we're being brutally honest, the weather helped us. We managed to get a lot of cricket in. I did have a big worry at the beginning that we were having such a nice May that the, the rain was going to be saved up till August. But thankfully, that didn't didn't come true either. Nick, were, were there um, was there anything in particular that, that surprised you about the season? Because it did go almost seamlessly, didn't it? Was, was anything that you think we can draw lessons from and perhaps carry on doing in the future? I mean, in a broad sense. Uh, yes, I think we 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 uh, are always learning, and I think um, this year necessity was the mother of invention. And I think some of the some of the findings that we experienced from the twenty twenty season are have have shaped some of the thinking for the twenty twenty one season. Not, not necessarily in the in, not necessarily in the in the first and second team. The, the, not so much in there, but uh, certainly at the third tier level, and uh, that's something that we'll talk about in uh, in a little while. I hope. Yeah, we might as well move on to that. I think because since the season ended, I mean, it's not as if you, you and Keir and the rest of the, the guys that run the league sit there and twiddle your thumbs and wait for the you know wait for May to come round. There's been there's been quite a lot of discussions, haven't there, about um, about what we what we could do next season, how we could do it differently. Um, do you want to start sort of talking to us about that? Now, as, as, as far as first and second 11 cricket goes, there's nothing too specific, right, that the, the committee is going to suggest that we do differently. Is that right? Or, or, or are other specific things you want to flag up there? Well, there's nothing that I want to flag up in that area. There are some things that, that Keir will speak to, uh, which are you know, sure. some changes that will impact first and set, first team cricket in particular. I'm not sure. Uh, and... and and it's the rat, and there was some ratification to do with the provision of umpires in second team cricket, but um, but pretty much um, most of the stuff that we're putting forward in terms of on field for twenty twenty one is related to the third tier. Yeah, we'll get to that in a moment. And there's, there's quite a quite a number of things there, aren't there? Actually, so we'll we'll try and unpack those. Keir, in terms of the ones and twos, as Nick says, there's not not going to be radical changes there, but there are going to be a few things that may be slightly different. Do you want to talk to us about those? Yeah, the the main change I think for uh, first eleven cricket is that we want to extend the use of DLS method for resolving rain-affected matches to all first-team cricket, not just the Premier League. We were going to do that for this year, for 2020, but in the end we couldn't because we didn't have the ability to run any training sessions and to give clubs the necessary software. Well, we want to uh, go ahead with that in 2021, but one of the things we have learned from the 2000 at the 2020 season, is that we manage perfectly well without printed tables. So we hope that it will make life slightly easier for clubs if we remove the requirement to have a printer there on match days. Much easier to have a laptop which is really charged up and which you can open up just when you need it, rather than to have a printer which requires you to have electricity all day. Uh, and we found that this year, the uh, if the scorers or whoever was doing the DLS sent the table to the captains and the umpires by email, they could just look at it on their phones, and that worked perfectly well. 
Okay, now that's that, that sounds like quite, quite a sensible step to me. Normally, of course, this sort of suggestion would be debated at an AGM, and I probably should have mentioned this at the very beginning. And, well, e even with news of, of not one but two COVID vaccines, I think the idea of getting um, getting all our representatives in one room to talk about this stuff is, is, still, is still looking a pretty, you know, like a pipe dream, really. Um, so, Nick, what's, what's the, the procedure going to be there? We're not going to have a formal AGM, right? So what are we going to do? Well, um, yes, some people will have received the note, the secretaries will have received the note that I sent out, but we won't have a formal AGM. We just, we thought about the prospect of trying to do something on Zoom or running an AGM on Zoom. And we just considered that it just wasn't going to be a practical and efficient format for running an AGM. So uh, we have decided to go down a, a, a completely different route, which some people will no doubt find problematic, but uh, this is what we think is the best way. And today, or this podcast, is the first step on that. So what we're hoping for is that we will debate some of the issues, or all of the issues that, uh, we are, that are being proposed by the committee for voting at the AGM uh, today on this, on this podcast. And uh, then we will give uh, all the clubs a two-week window to digest what's been talked about in order for them to consider whether they have any other questions on what we've talked about, or for that matter, whether they have any, any of their own suggestions of completely unrelated that we, uh, I don't know, that we change the rules on overseas players or that we change the rule to use white ball or something like that. It doesn't, you know, any club can, can put forward those suggestions for the AGM voting. Once that two-week period has, uh, has expired and we've collated the feedback, the uh, aspiration is to, is to reconvene this, this group of people to discuss the feedback that we've had and any other uh, new pieces of information to try and give the the uh, membership an objective view of um, of what's being proposed, and then once that is done and and um, published out to the um, to the to for anyone to listen to, then we will give all the clubs a two week window to vote on the uh, on the uh, on the matters at hand, and it will be we'll need to decide who the eligible person is to vote. Otherwise, I could get, I could get five different people voting on behalf of Twickenham or, or, or ten different people voting on behalf yep. of Teddington. And so I guarantee if they're from Twickenham, decide... they wouldn't all vote the same way. Exactly. So we'd need to just define who, who are the eligible population for voting, and then we will collate the votes. So that's the, that's the way we're going to do it. It's, uh, it's, a, it's what we think is the best way. We genuinely, did, we, as I said in the email that, uh, that went out, we couldn't allow this a constitutional vacuum to just persist, to carry on and on, because we've just had too many things that we needed to get over line. We've got new voting structures, and we couldn't really admit new members to the league unless we'd established what the um, acceptable voting structure is. So there were just too many things that we needed to try and get done to try to um, to just leave it and wait and wait till maybe next year. And some people think I tinker a bit too much, but I think we need to keep moving things forward. And and hence some of these suggestions that are coming forward tonight have come from me, and uh, but but discussed within the committee, and you know they were happy to move them forward. And uh, yeah, so that's that's what we're going to try and do with your assistance and Eugene. Super. Yeah, Yuji is, is listening in and, and being very much our tech guru behind the scenes. 
um, and, and thanks to him for doing that. So to be clear, there's going to be, uh, after this podcast, there will be a second podcast where we'll discuss any comments or suggestions or criticisms or whatever else may come, come our way out of this third podcast. Then there'll be a window for clubs to vote on the suggestions, which Nick will circulate. The voting will be done via email. Uh, and there'll be a mechanism explained as to who can vote on behalf of of which club. Um, and this will all be finished then by Christmassy time, right, Nick? Uh, yeah, that's the that's the so. that's the hope. That's the hope. Okay. Dan, could I just? Dan, sorry, oh, could I just Dive add in, yeah. that 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 one of the things, um, just to be absolutely clear, when we've had the second pod assuming you'll invite us back, then we will issue a formal paper uh, to all the clubs with all the proposals on which they have to vote. So it's it's not just uh, by means of a podcast. They'll get a formal bit of paper as well. Damn good, though the podcast obviously is, Keir, as, as, as we'll all agree. But Absolutely. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but very, very important to stress that. There will be a, a very clear... Um, written guide as to what um, what people are asked to give their opinions on and Nick will provide that in due course. Now we know that there's going to be something then on DLS because Keir has talked to us about that. Nick, where would you start then with uh, in terms of what we need to think about at the AGM? What would be the first um, group of issues that you, you'd like to flag up? Uh, thank you. Uh, well, uh, I think the biggest area of learning that we that we maybe experienced in 2020 was with regard to the third tier, which you know, for anyone who isn't familiar with what we're talking about means third team cricket and below, um, which uh, this year, uh, well, we, I don't think we run six divisions th this year. Next year, we'll be running maybe nine divisions, an expansion division seven below the four regionalized division five, division six. So, um, I played uh, a game in the third tier this year uh, and and I took feedback from people and uh, I've got a, a selection of uh, ideas that I think uh, we should contemplate for for the third tier. We don't need to go into into great detail just because it, it'll be too heavy but what, what are the yeah. what are those sort of key ideas there's three or four right that, that you'd like to raise if you could just go through them then yeah. we could try and make sense of them. Yeah, of course. So uh, allowing the use of artificial wickets. Um, right. Uh, potentially the changing to using a, per, uh, a pink ball uh, or changing the uh, standard of the ball used in the third tier from the same ball that we use in first and second team to uh, the ball that is used in Division 5. There's a reason for that. Uh, provision of tees. Mm -hmm. And uh, perhaps the one that will be mo uh, cause most raised eyebrows: Sunday cricket. So there's five they points. Are, there. I think the, they're the they're the they're the five items that we think that, that are all applicable to the third tier that um, that we think uh, are certainly meritorious of further discussion and contemplation. Super. Now, like I say we don't want to go through them all in too much detail because there just be, there will be too much information. But um, in terms of point one, artificial wickets. So, yes. I guess you're recommending that um, the home side will decide the nature of the surface on which they play, does, or does there have to be agreement between both sides uh, that they will play on an artificial wicket? What will be the process for for, for doing that? Well, um, we discussed this. 
And um, just to be quite specific, what we're talking about is in the regionalized sections, that's division five and below. So that's currently four right. divisions, yep. probably five next year. We are proposing that the use of artificial wickets is allowed. And uh, part of the rationale for that is quite simple. In the, in the, the, the economic environment, we contemplated that, the, that, um, that councils are going to be less inclined towards spending money on uh, cricket wickets and that um, some of the wickets at that level are pretty mixed in terms of quality. And that mixed is one uh, word for it, Nick. Be... I played one game there, and it was definitely decidedly mixed. The surface, and it was we were at home. To be fair, I'm not criticising another club. Yeah. So, uh, and we think that it's possible that um, that uh, that artificial wickets may be the way, may be the way forward at that level. You know, younger people, more consistent bounce, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so yes, that's what we think, and it will be allowable. So it won't be uh, it won't be by mutual agreements. It will be uh, it would just be allowable. That'll be the surface that that team de- wants to provide. Okay, now that's interesting. That, that, that's yeah. interesting, and that's to stress again, it's Division Five and below. So this is um, th- 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 yeah. this is the regionalised area of our of our league. So this is quite a long way down the pyramid, but uh, the, the idea is yes. very much to try and improve surfaces which can be very patchy as, as, you, as you rightly say i think we all we all know that yes um Keir, did you want to come in on that or, or or should we move on to point two no that's fine it's uh as nick says the key thing i think in getting a decent game of cricket is you that you've got a pitch which has a reasonably consistent and good bounce on it so um whilst it sort of goes against the the grain of the traditionalist in me I think it makes much more sense to pay to play at that level on decent artificial pitches rather than on minefields uh, that any local authority might come up with. Yeah, I mean there are likely to be some poor artificial wickets around as well. I mean I, I take it that we're just saying, look, if, if that's the case, then we, we try not to use those in future, but we we, we tread carefully and, and and just gradually try and improve the product, right, Nick? Yes, you know it, it, it's an open-minded start to the start to a journey that may that may end up being more prevalent in that direction in the future. Councils may think we'll provide an artificial wicket as opposed to weekly doing you know you know a, a larger one-off investment as opposed to ongoing maintenance style investment. Yep, that's what we thought. Yep, it makes sense. An interesting idea, and I'd be interested to get clubs' feedback on that um, with a view to um, to the second pod. Now, the second point, use of a pink ball in all third-tier cricket. Now, what's the logic behind that one? Well, uh, having played in third-tier cricket, there are seldom um, sight screens at third-team grounds. And it is my view that uh, the pink ball is easier to see if you're betting. Yeah, no, that's an interesting one. And, And clearly, the point about sight screens is a point well made. Are there not issues with the quality of these pink balls? And it may just be me, but I, I often find they they just don't seem to be as good as as the red balls. Now that that may just be anecdotal claptrap, but um, are you confident the the quality of the pink ball is good enough? Uh, well, I mean, we use a pink ball in the Premier League, um, and I know that some people uh, think that the pink ball isn't great. And in fact, I heard I I, start, I found it out today that. In the in the South Wales League, they use the orange ball as opposed to pink ball because they found that the orange ball was better. I haven't they haven't taken that. I only found out about that today. 
But um, okay. I think that, and, and also we're talking, I mean, without being disparaging, it is at the lower end, it's, you know, when, when it's third tier cricket, you know, which is, yep. which is much higher quality in the Middlesex area than it is in many other parts of the country. The, the depth of cricket in, in Middlesex is very strong. But uh, I just thought it's primarily predicated on sight screens, that it's easier for the batters. In, in a, the conversation, in fairness, um, at the committee meeting, John Reeve suggested that he thought that it is certainly better for batters, but he thought it was not so easy to see for fielders. It's just an, it's an idea that's just floated out there that we think is uh, maybe worth discussing. Yep. And I'd love to know what the science is on this. And I'm not even sure there is any, really, that, that we could readily <laughs> grasp. But, I mean, yeah, the interesting discussion about how easy it is to see. I just tend to think I can't see the ball so well because I'm getting goddamn old. But, um, but yeah, I'd be interested. Well, to that might be me too. Thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> in the same boat. Um, okay, so that's interesting. Pink ball in all 30 cricket is a suggestion there. Now, the third suggestion is also about the ball, isn't it? And changing the type yes. of ball that we use. So from Royal County... To crane match, and that's that's basically a, a financial issue, right? Yes, no, no more than that. Uh, it, okay. it would represent a saving of about uh, 110 pounds per team per season, and um, okay. and we just thought that given you know financial considerations from some clubs, I, I, you know, I can't comment widely on how clubs did in uh, 2020, some actually ended up reasonably okay. But um, but then it's just singularly a financial consideration, and we thought that we would put it out there. See what people think. Yeah, um, and I, again, very interested to know what what feedback we got on that one, guys. I'm I'm just going to sort of give you the opportunity to grab a cup of tea here uh, and mention that we've actually uh, the podcast team are really pleased that um, we've managed to get a sponsor for the for the pod Woodstock Cricket, based in in God's County of Shropshire. Um, are are going to sponsor the podcast from now on, and, and they'll be uh, they'll be offering various um, various subsidies to county league uh, members uh, through the course of the next weeks, months, and years. And I'm really pleased that they're that they're on board with us. So do do look out for them. Woodstock Cricket um, working in tandem with the MCCL podcast. Looking for a new cricket equipment partner for yourself or your club can sometimes be tricky with so many options to choose from. How do you make the right choice? When you want quality, value and service, there really is only one place to start. For more than a decade, Woodstock Cricket have been producing award-winning, high-performance cricket bats from their Shropshire workshop. Matched with their classy soft goods, luggage and accessories, Woodstock Cricket really do tick all the boxes. Get in touch with Woodstock Cricket and find out why many loyal clubs, players and international customers can't be wrong at info at woodstockcricket.co.uk. Okay, so the fourth point, Nick. Now, this is, a, 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 as Sam and Ali and myself always say every time, an issue close to our hearts, food. Um, the league's thinking about, um, how to, about provision of teas because... I think I'm, it's a pretty general statement. The sides have got on actually perfectly fine without having their Victoria sponges on offer at tea time, which part of me is, is, is deeply shocked about because a cricket tea is fundamental to my cricketing DNA. But on the other hand, I'm not massively surprised about because for some clubs, it's, it is a challenge to, to, get, to get teas out. So what, what is the league thinking of there moving forward about the provision of teas? Yes, so this, this perhaps uh, is more interesting in some respects. 
Um, so this is really third tier. We, we don't believe that uh, there is any appetite, for, uh, without any pun intended, for, uh, redu- for stopping the provision of tees in first and second team cricket. That's not, uh, that's not something we've contemplated and it's, and it's not something the league are pushing forward. So, so if somebody else wants to propose that, it can get voted on, but it's not something that the league executive is supportive of. So th- this is really uh, third tier only. And what, what occurred to, what occurred to, well, firstly, what, what Keir pointed out to me is there actually is nothing in the constitution that says you have to provide tees anyway. But um, so, so this suggestion is, is not necessarily a constitutional um, something that's covered in the constitution, but, but I guess maybe it would be now, is that um, in the third tier, as we've already discussed, you know, often clubs are using council facilities and the most problematic aspect after the, the, um, the quality of the service is how they're going to get tees. How, you know, how, what they do about provision of tees for the opposition. And we thought that seemingly it worked perfectly well this season with people taking their own kit, uh, their own food, excuse me. And so we have decided that we are going to put a proposal forward that um, it is no longer uh, mandatory, although, as I've just said, it's not actually in the Constitution at the moment. Clubs are no longer obliged to provide tees at third-tier cricket. The one um, thing that I want to stress is that um, there are some clubs that have, two, that have two grounds at their facility or that they rent a ground that has a caterer. In those circumstances, the provi- where the provision of tea may be uh, mandatory on, by, on the person that's renting the ground, or in the case of, for example, Winchmore Hill or Teddington, where they have somebody that comes and makes the teas, or they have a caterer that does it, in circumstances where they have that, they will be allowed to carry on providing teas and to charge the opposition for them without having to gain agreement with the opposition. So, but in, in circumstances where clubs decide that they don't want to provide teas, that's perfectly okay. Yeah, where are we? Are we starting in third tier cricket? To be crystal clear, we're talking, this is thirds, fours, and fives. Um, yes. Are we starting from the idea that there will not be a tea unless you're told there will be? Or are we assuming there will be a tea unless you're told there won't be? What, where do we start and, and how do we know if uh, that starting position is changing? Uh, I think the starting point will be that there won't be a tea and that you will be told if you will be getting one. And the reason that I'm saying that, because I hadn't contemplated it until you asked me, and it's a great question. Is that, I, is that most clubs in the Middlesex League do not have two grounds and therefore most places don't have a caterer on site to, for the provision of food and therefore I think it is more sensible to, to presuppose that there won't be a tea as a, and, uh, and that if you, if you are going to be getting one, you will be told about it. I, I think that's the, the right way to do it for what it's worth because I can certainly imagine a scenario where someone might not actually have played at Winchmore Hill before and the third team skipper visiting there would have no idea whether Winchmore Hill is the same as Twickenham or not. So I think if, if Winchmore yes. Hill were to, to, to tell them that there will be a tea and we, you, you'll need to pay X amount of pounds for it, I think that would be 
a logical starting point. How, how do you actually pay, Nick? Are we, are, we, are we talking electronically at some point or, or in cash on the day? Yes, well, I think we've moved away from the, the, you know, we've moved away from the from cash because, of course, we never collected money in the Middlesex League anyway. It was a, it was a something in the it was in the nineteen eighty seven league when we, when the third before the we expanded the county league to incorporate the nineteen eighty seven league. We never we never collected team money, so um, we will uh, not be expecting clubs to pay the money on the day. But um, I have written some. Uh, wording to account for penalties for clubs if they do not pay within a fixed period of time to be agreed. We haven't actually defined that yet, but it would be certainly no longer than uh, a week. I think that's. I think it's very good that you're not asking people to turn up with cash for the simple reason that no, I think a lot of clubs just are using payment apps now. Yeah, and, and the apps yeah. are very good, I mean, in my experience. So so somebody, somebody would have to go to the bank and get 50 quid or whatever it is, and that seems to me to be a bit yes. unwieldy. Okay, so, yes. so that, that, sounds, that sounds interesting. I'd be intrigued to know what clubs make of that because I'm sure there are many, many guys out there who, who um, their most important part of their cricketing experience is their tea. But as someone who's you know, done a lot of cricket administration through the years, I, I do, do know that it is often very hard to get teas out if you've got three, three clubs playing at home. And I do sometimes think the guys who are most enthusiastic about the tea are the ones who never have to actually produce it. So um, I'd be intrigued to know what the feedback is on that. And we, we will see. We will see over the next few weeks. Hopefully. Yeah, I think um, just to add one other aspect on that, Dan, I think that also one other contemplation is that there may have been clubs that found grounds, school grounds, for example, that they thought would have been perfect for, for, to play their third tier matches. But they decided not to go ahead with them because of the issue of how would, how would I go about getting tea there? And if we move that away, there's a possibility that maybe some better facilities become usable. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Never really thought of that, but that, that, that sounds very, very plausible. OK, thanks for that then, Nick. Last one in this sort of segment of, uh, of issues. Sunday cricket. Now, you mentioned that, um, that there's been a, a lot of discussion, and certainly I'm interested in this because Twickenham were quite... Uh, quite heavily involved in our in, in trying out this experiment in 2020 about allowing sides from the third tier to play some of their league cricket on a Sunday. Do you want, do you want to talk us through that one? Yes, well, I suspect this will be the one that raises the most eyebrows. But certainly, as you as people will know, in the 2020 season, we allowed clubs to play third tier matches on Sat on Sundays. Uh, at the at the home ground at the normal home ground because some clubs found it impossible to get grounds because of uh, various covid restrictions and we wanted to facilitate as much cricket as we could now uh, that led uh, me to thinking that maybe this is something that we should extend to the 2021 season and in the future um i got uh, mixed feedback on the idea I, w- I would want to stress at the outset this would be entirely by mutual agreement. So um, any club who didn't want to be involved in playing Sunday cricket at all, um, for whatever reason, um, they could just say no, and that's fine. The Part of the thinking also is, is from a financial perspective. If you are a club that has um, three teams, just three teams, for... Um, and you are having to hire a ground on a Sunday every week, 
uh, sorry, having to hire a ground on a Saturday every week at the cost that comes along with that. And your and your club's not one of the bigger clubs that plays MDL or has women's cricket or huge amounts of friendly cricket, etc. Then you, you're incurring costs for hiring uh, a ground on a Saturday and perhaps your ground is not used on a Sunday. So it occurred to me that it may be a way for some clubs to actually save some money. Not only will they save the money from hiring out the uh, hiring another facility they'll also uh, get the bar money assuming that we've got bars open and um and maybe it will also give some of those third and fourth and 15 players a uh, third team players an opportunity to play on the main ground that they don't otherwise get and it will also allow for you know people who play on saturdays to be able to see you know some of their some other league matches of their own club people you know getting to see first team players coming down on a Sunday and watching the fourth team play that they would never get that opportunity to do. So, so Nick, how are you going to deal with the challenge of making sure that the right players play on the right day? I assume no one is going to be allowed to play both Saturday and Sunday in the league. Um, are there going to be any further regulations with that? Well, yes, there are a whole raft of them that I won't talk through now, but I've, I, having played in the league for quite a long while, I've been poacher and gamekeeper to a whole load of different scenarios. So I'd like to think that the the regs that I've written um, should mean that there aren't any loopholes for people to exploit. Or if they are, they're relatively small. I won't go through them all now, but, but there are certainly restrictions. Certainly you can't play on Saturday and a Sunday, and there are other restrictions on you know where you've played previously in the season playing on the Sunday, you know, to facilitate, to, to avoid a situation where uh, a guy who's not available on the Saturday, who normally plays in the first 11, you know, he said, well, I can play on the Sunday. So I'll play in the threes on the Sunday and he gets 350, you know, so, um, you know, it, we're, we're legislating all of that away or hoping to do that. And um, yeah, I, 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 I it's an it's an idea. I'm not sure that everyone will buy into it, but I do think it might suit some clubs. And I, you know, and I do really want to stress that it would be absolutely, totally by mutual agreement. So, um, hmm. so yeah. I mean, I, the people do disagree. I mean, I, you're in favour. You're something who's a supporter of it. But you know, I, I am interested to know if you've got any you know negative contemplations about it. Sure. Well, I mean, I. I putting my cards on the table, we played or we tried to play three games on a Sunday with our third 11 in 2020 because our third 11 were having some challenges playing at St Mary's College. I mean, educational establishments didn't allow their cricketing facilities to be used. Um, and the first time we played Shepherd's Bush and that uh, they were very much very keen to, to play, that they thought it was a great idea and that was great. The last time we played uh, Hampstead, actually, Nick, wasn't it? On the last day of the season. Yeah, it was and, and fantastic. <laughs> It was a ridiculous game. It went right down to the wire. And I remember our captain, Connor Finney, gave one of our guys out in the last over the entire season, gave him out LBW, so the Hampstead won the game. So it was, it was a wonderful one, uh, one to win. One to win. One to win as well, yeah, I should say. And, and <laughs> nine men down. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. Um, but we, we also were keen to play against Highgate for, for reasons I can't quite remember why that game was one that we wanted to change. Um, but Highgate didn't want to. They said, no, we don't think our availability is going to be good. There are other reasons we're just not up for it. And so, so straight away, we're like, oh, cool, no problem at all. We'll see you on the Saturday exactly as normal. And we felt that that flexibility was a real plus. The, the, the one thing I think 
we'd have to be careful of is that I think most people will, will will generally do the right thing. But towards the end of a season, I'd have thought in week 16, 17, 18, it probably shouldn't be allowed then because the temptations may be just a little bit too strong. Um, so that was the one thing I, I was going to add. I think at the end of the season, we should probably be a little bit more careful. But in the, in the first 15 weeks, I think the more cricket we can get played at, at the better facilities, providing folks are keen on the idea, then we should do it. But again, we'll see what see what the other clubs say. It's not, it's not for me and Nick to decide. This is just ideas that we think on this occasion that we think are are, are definitely interesting ones to be to be considered. Kia, do you have any uh, any take on this one? I suppose my only take is is that it seems to make sense uh, both from the points of view of enabling grounds to be used and enabling bars to get takings if if bars can be open and take things next year um, and also I suppose that uh, it's nice if people who are members of Twickenham or of Hampstead or wherever it is who never really get the opportunity to play on their home ground can do that um, but beyond that I, I mean to be perfectly honest I've got uh, no experience of third team cricket so I probably shouldn't be opining about it very much to be honest, Kira, I don't think it's about the quality of the cricket either. I mean, I, I appreciate your point that, that you, you umpire in the first 11 and that's the work that, that the cricket you know best. But it's really about, I mean, our, our fifth 11 played a game on Twickenham Green at the beginning of the season. And, and you know, the very fact that there was 100 people watching, you know, that it was great. They, they, they loved it. And um, I, I think that's something that, that we really think is a force for good. It encourages people to play and, and that's super... As Nick says, then others may see it differently, and that's that's all fine. It also depends, I guess, on what you've got elsewhere on the ground. I mean, if you've got an MDL team, if you've got women's cricket, uh, it, the main yeah. the availability. But it, but anything we can do to get our main grounds played on, and to get people watching, and to get some financing for the club seems to me a good thing, and we ought to encourage it where both sides are happy to do that. And there will be some clubs with, with ladies' 11s, with MDL sides, with, with good cup runs who simply don't have any Sundays available. So discussion closed that, that they, wouldn't, they wouldn't be in this particular game. And that's fine. Um, Kia, I wanted to keep with you. Yeah, actually, I agree. I, sorry, about... just, just before oh, we just be, on, sorry, sorry, Dan, to talk over. Just before you move on, what I would say is that for those, for those clubs in that situation that do have MDL teams and women's teams and, and go on cup runs and all the rest of that show, you know, I understand that they... Uh, wouldn't be interested, but I would hope that they were open-minded enough to not vote against it just because they weren't going to do it, because they can vote against it by just not agreeing to it on any given on any given week. So you know that I would concentrate. And just the final one other thing is that all of the agreement for playing on the Sunday would have to be done before the start of the season. It, it, you wouldn't get the opportunity to say, "Oh, maybe we can play on Sunday because we think it's going to rain on Saturday." You know, this would be all yeah. before the start of the season. You know, and when the when the uh, when the document comes out, it will it will all be set out pretty. It will be set out very clearly as what we can. But uh, this is just the the starting of the thinking, anyway. Super, all good. Um, we're also going to get bigger, Nick. Right, the league is expanding. It expanded last year, and it's going to expand this year. Um, and I, I think we should probably say a little bit about what that means uh, and where we're going to go with it. Kia, do you want to lead on that one? Yeah. Um... The intention always was that, that 2020 would be a transitional season. We took in the top division from the Middlesex Championship at both first and second 11s this year. And the idea was that we'd have 
a year really to see how things went and to try and make any tweaks we needed to in order to prepare for full amalgamation next year. Well, we only got limited experience, but the championship clubs seem very keen to join us. And so one of the things we need to do is to prepare the way for that. And what it will mean is that we will get at least another two or three divisions at first team level. And we will get probably a couple at second team level, which will just fit on to the bottom of the structure. Now, the idea is that in subsequent years, there will be automatic promotion and relegation uh, two up, two down amongst the divisions. But there's one very important caveat to that. And that is that we don't think it right that clubs should come up to the higher levels of the league if their facilities aren't going to be up to the job or if they don't meet certain other criteria, such as the number of adult teams they run on a Saturday or the levels at which they run Colts sites, because those are all important aspects of being a, quote, senior, unquote, cricket club. So John Reeves already been doing quite a lot of work on this. And the idea is that we will have a grading system in place where every club will be visited and will be graded according to uh, how many teams it runs on a Saturday, how many Colts teams it runs, what its ground and pavilion are like, and all that lot will come together. And in order to get to a certain level of the league, clubs will need to satisfy the grading criteria. So I think uh, I'm doing this from memory, but there'll be one bar below Premier, um, and there'll be another bar below either Division 3 or Division 4, so that we can both encourage uh, the improvement of cricket at all levels, but also make sure that we preserve the highest levels for those clubs which are properly fit to take part at that at those levels. It's probably also worth saying that no club who's already at a level will be relegated simply in accordance with, uh, or simply because it fails to meet the grading criteria for that level. However, if because of its playing strength it finds itself relegated and in a subsequent season it then wins promotion, it will only be able to be promoted if it satisfies the grading criteria at the higher level. I hope that makes sense. Uh, it's a bit complicated to explain, but it'll be simple enough, I think, to operate in practice. And the idea is that we'll publish a comprehensive document so clubs will have plenty of notice as to what they need to do if they're looking to climb up the ladder. No, I think that's pretty clear here, actually. Um, the question I had is about process. So, so this will happen for 2021. The, the, the AGM or the, the document that Nick sends round will explain what is happening or, or, or is, are our clubs actually being asked to say they support this? There'll be, a, there'll be a proposition that what we need to do, because we've got the new sides in and we hope to have the need sides in, 
we need to vote in a new structure. The current constitution only provides for three divisions at first and second 11 levels. So we need to change that. So the ideas that will put the process in place, uh, 2021 will be what we've got. So it'll be the, uh, we didn't have any promotion or relegation in 2020. So it'll be exactly the same at the first four divisions as it was in 2020. And then the new clubs will fit in uh, at the bottom. So the idea is that all the clubs will be visited during the course of 2021 with a view to this taking effect with teeth uh, at the end of the 2021 season when it comes to promotion and relegation in respect of 2022. Okay, that's a, that's, that's a very clear answer. Thanks. Thanks, Keir. Um, Nick, did you want to come in on this? Uh, no, not only to say that you know that these that the clubs w will be coming. We've already we've already agreed that they will come. So uh, you know, so and and you know, and the, they, we've been in contact with them already. So we've got some uh, procedural stuff to finish off. But you know, but the structure is the structure has been put together. It's been voted on and approved by the championship clubs. You know, as part of their transition. You know, it's all it's all moving ahead. And the, the the one other thing that we do need to agree that we'll talk about a bit is the new voting structure because, as Keir said, that we we uh, we'd only had a structure for three divisions and um, our first and second team, and now we are significantly bigger than that. And that discussion will happen in due course. That's not going to be something that people have to think about um, in the next month, right? Well, we did we did discuss it last time didn't we um we did discuss this at the agm in 2019 and agreed the principles then so the idea was that had we been able to have the spring meeting this year we'd have voted on it then so um there will be formal proposals to vote on the idea at the moment clubs are limited to three votes, uh, a maximum of three votes, depending on how many sides they have in the league. The, the change will be uh, so that clubs will subsequently get one vote per 11, uh, which actually doesn't make a huge amount of difference, but, but we think is a bit more appropriate. Uh, and we're also making provision, as was discussed at the 2019 AGM, for votes uh, to be taken where the executive certifies it as suitable um, within just one particular division. And then the vote will be of that the clubs in that particular division on a one right. club one okay. yeah. basis. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And clearly, there's a lot of a lot of hard work being done here. I know John Reeves worked very hard at um, at the document to uh, the standards document, if that's if that's a, a good phrase for it. Um, and clearly, you know, we're, we're going to get bigger. There's going to be more cricket played within the confines of the MCCL, and I I think most people would agree that's a very good thing. Um, most of the material we've discussed tonight, guys, has been sort of about off the field issues, but there was one very clear on field issue I wanted to to talk about, and that that's the nature of cup cricket because 
from what I can gather, the the, the cups in twenty twenty were, were were pretty successful. Um, certainly, Sal Ali um, uh, was telling me that there was a, you know, a number of hundred people watching North London v um, uh, Winchmore Hill for, for one of the the two in one of the two cup finals in, in mid September, and that sounds great. So where are we going to go with with the Middlesex League League Cup and the Middlesex Cup and and whatever else we want, might want to do in terms of cup cup cricket next year? Uh, yes, thank you for that. Um, yes, it, it, again, it somewhat depends on who who you speak to, but but certainly the feedback that I received was that the split format cup was very well received. But you know, maybe I just didn't get any feedback from people who didn't enjoy it. But um, the suggestion that we are going to put forward is that we will have, given if we have sufficient numbers, three cups in um, uh, three cups in twenty twenty one. One will be I, I don't really want to use senior, but I'm going to have to use some sort of terminology. So let's say the senior cup will be uh, contested by a maximum of the top 16 teams in the MCCL structure as decided by the previous league uh, standings. So that would be the top 10 from the Premier League and the next six. And then uh, the second cup would be for uh, any other clubs that uh, want to be involved in a cup competition. Now, we in 2021, we will have... Uh, 70 first teams or or 71 team clubs, uh, 70 clubs that operate either a first team or just one team. So um, that would leave, if all of them entered, would be another 54 teams. So what we decided was that if all 54 teams wanted to, wanted to join into another cup, that we would run uh, the cup and a plate for any clubs that went out into the in the first round, facilitating opportunity for clubs to get to a final and win a trophy, and that was seemingly the big win of the um, of the cups that we ran this year. I know in recent history Enfield did win the Middlesex Cup, but I think aside from Enfield's win in my recent memory, and and somebody will annihilate me for getting this wrong, it's been largely dominated by. Um, the the Premier League clubs. Well, I know Osterley won it in two thousand and four, and I can definitely tell you they beat in the final. Um, but so so Osterley, yeah, I mean that's I won it then, but that's fifteen years ago, sixteen years ago. Yeah, let's go back to our earlier point about me and you being old, Nick, isn't it? Basically, so, yeah, so yeah, that, that's exactly. just one that occurred to me. Um, okay, what well, one question I did have though is there an argument that some of the some of the clubs slightly lower down the pyramid might see the Cups as an opportunity to, to play one of the big fish, you know, to, to go and have their day at Ealing, um, or to go up against Teddington and, and to, you know, to be the, to be the David against the Goliath? Because that, that wouldn't necessarily be possible in this new format, right? No. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Um, and that would be a contrary opinion that somebody would, that, that could be put forward. Um, right. you, you, we, we can't, we, we come up with suggestions and... The, the the problem that the problem that we sort of face is that there are a number of different suggestions. We can't really list ten different options for people to vote on because otherwise we you know, will have a you know even more complicated voting protocol than, that process them sure. than we're going to yeah, have yeah. already. So um, so this is the process that we're putting forward, and 
the, I mean, the beauty of making change, the sort of beauty of making changes, you know, that's why I like to make changes is, is, you know what, if we get it wrong and people don't like it, then we can change it again next year. Sure. Yeah, we, yeah, we're not, we're not tied to, we're not tied to something for the rest of our lives. We can, we can recognize that it didn't work and we can change it next year. And to be honest, even if, even if it does go wrong, I mean, I think most people should be able to see the logic of it. Even if they don't really, you know, they might do it differently. It's not, it's not an illogical way of ordering stuff. So, um, so, so I, yeah, I can see that angle certainly. Um, Kia, did you want to come in on this? Any thoughts on the on the cup format? Yeah, I I think it's definitely the right way to go. I appreciate the argument that you might want to be a giant killer, and uh, that that's perfectly valid. But the chances of it happening, history suggests, are pretty slight, and. Uh, the, 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 in reality, the chances of anyone lower than 16th position in the league being able to upset uh, one of the top Premier clubs, I think, is is fairly limited. And, and I was at the uh, the Winchmore Hill North London final this year. I did the admin and the presentations and whatnot for, and it was just a, a great day. Um, neither of those clubs. Uh, with due respect to them, would have had much hope of getting to the final in a traditional Middlesex Cup where they were up against all the the bigger clubs. Um, it was a really good match. They all enjoyed it thoroughly. And, and as, uh, as you said, we had 300 people there who wouldn't have had that to watch. And it, it didn't particularly detract from the other one either because uh, Bob did the um, looked after the the other one at Richmond, and I think there were over two hundred. Yeah, and I think there were over two hundred people there as well. On that, and there's your argument: five hundred people watching games, two games of cricket, just two on a Saturday in mid-September. That's that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Would Absolutely. It? Happen, so. I mean, we were lucky; it was a lovely Saturday, and you know, people weren't on holiday and all the rest of it. But it was a great day. Seems fair enough to me. Guys, we've covered a lot of material here. Is there anything else you want to add in uh, on anything, to be honest? Nick, is there anything I've missed out here? Well, just quickly on the, just quickly on the Cups, Dan, I think you have uh, you, you very helpfully agreed that um, for the Cups, that you conduct the draw in what I could only describe as FA Cup style, live, uh, some sort of live broadcast of the draw. I'm looking forward um, to this. Yeah, I, I, I just hope I, I don't I, cock I, it up. And, and, and yeah. that there'll be no seeding, so it will be... I don't know whether you have a lovely velvet bag in the same way as the Football Association, but if you have the equivalent, and or maybe you could use the, you know, get the uh, get the sound effects, then. Uh, uh, but uh, but yes, so it's mm. going to be a live draw and with no seeds. So um, so that that'll be uh, an added change for the 2021 season. Yeah, leave that to me and Sal. We, we will go to town on that one. Uh, I don't quite know how we will, but we, we'll make sure it works. We, we may even do that one via Zoom as well. So. so. If there are any people actually want to see us doing it, so that to make sure it is all kosher, then um, then, then we hope that we'll be able to do that as well with, with Eugene's help. Because I'm not sure we could necessarily do it on our own, but uh, but yeah, we, we, we'd embrace that. That sounds like a nice a nice thing to do. Kia, was there anything else you wanted to come back on there? Any other more broader points that you think we might have missed? Nothing that we've missed, but I suppose um, if if we're allowed to fly kites, I mean everything that we've talked about tonight is a proposal from the executive for changes for the 21-21 season with the exception of 
the pink ball in third tier where we're really trying to, to get ideas and whether people think it's a good idea or not. And if people do think it's a good idea, then, then we can go ahead and do it. Otherwise, we won't. The, the one that um, I would float is uh, to have another look at the points system just in one respect. It, it has always seemed to me absurd that you can get more points for losing a limited overs match than you can for drawing one of the time games. Um, now, there are all sorts of, of things you could do with the point system. There are probably as many, as, as many opinions as, as there are people, if not more. Um, but at its simplest, I just wonder whether we should just do away with the losing points in the limited overs stuff discuss i was going to say and that's a point to be to be mulled over i'm guessing over the over the, the yeah. cold winter months yeah. right that they were not going to put any suggestions forward on that one nick, nick is that anything you'd like to add on that one no uh, no no i'm 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 uh, i'll leave, leave that for the audience to come up with some suggestions or some ideas on that yeah. and people do have fun and games with point systems aren't there as you look around on on sunday mornings that the the results around the United Kingdom. I, I do have to have double double takes on a lot of leagues with the point systems they use. There are as many point systems out there as there are leagues in existence, I'm sure of it. Um, but yeah, one, one to ponder, for sure, one to ponder. Um, and one of the things we've been very successful is trying to keep it uh, pretty simple compared with a lot of leagues. Um, and if anything, uh, I'd like to simplify it even more. Well, well, we'll chew that respective fat over the winter and see where it takes us. Okay, just to bring that all together then, um, we've discussed a whole host of issues, but I think the key ones are firstly about using artificial wickets in Divisions 5 and below. That's the regionalised tiers. We need to know your thoughts on that. The idea of using a pink ball, or indeed any other coloured ball, um, in all third-tier cricket, so again, thirds, fourths, fifths. Um, we're keen to know whether you want to move to a slightly cheaper ball, so from the Royal County, um, to the to the crown match, which will save about £110 per team in, in the third tier. And we're also keen to know your thoughts on tees, on the provision of tees and um, how exactly we should we should approach that in 2021. Um, over and above that, Sunday cricket came up. Um, Nick raised a number of ideas there about how we could perhaps allow more of our Saturday cricket to be played on Sunday. If teams, uh, both teams want to do that, so that would be a completely voluntary exercise. And we flagged up a range of issues to do with the cup structure. So we'd have three cups in 2021, uh, a Middlesex Cup, something like a Middlesex Trophy, and then something like a plate, although we probably won't call it the plate, um, um, to, to, to keep as many people involved in club cricket, in league cricket, in cup cricket even, um, as possible through the 20. 21 season feedback to to nick please um or to me and i'll feed it on to nick uh, and then we will uh, reconvene in two weeks to talk to you about our uh, um, about those comments before nick sends out formal documentation to all secretaries so that clubs can cast their x's and make the key decisions um guys thanks very much for your time i think we've We've covered a whole host of interesting issues and I think we will get plenty of feedback and that's what we want. Um, as a reminder, in two weeks' time, we'll have another pod on similar issues um, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the suggestions that have come through there and some of the comments. Um, do, if you're a secretary of a club, keep your eye on your inbox. Nick will be in touch 
uh, about about formal processes. Um, and yeah, it, it seems to me like we've got some interesting material to think about. So once again, Nick, Keir, thanks for your time and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Terrific. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, cheers, guys.